I like sort of uh, Oxford and, and UK pop culture. Welcome on board this ESCP flight to Knowledge. Our flight time today would be less than 30 minutes. The outside's temperature is abnormally high. A faculty member will be with you shortly to help you understand what impact their research can have on business and society. If you hear brace, brace, please pay extra attention as only science can alter our collision course. For this episode of BRACE, the podcast about impactful research by ESCP Business School faculty, we talk to Georgie Kurleff, who is an Associate Professor of Sustainability on the Paris campus. In his research, he deals with social entrepreneurship, social innovations and impact. Georgie has won numerous awards for his research, teaching and impact work. He also serves on the board of directors of Euclid Network, the international network of impact-driven leaders supported by the European Commission. Hello, sir. Would you like a drink? Oh, yeah, thanks very much. What a surprise uh, on a Friday morning at nine o'clock. For the record, I offered our passenger a bottle of beer. That's because he recently wrote that if he wasn't a business school professor, he would be running a pub in Oxford. Yeah, I mean, partly it was, uh, of course, a joke. Um, I don't know if I would really do it. Uh, I like sort of uh, Oxford and, and UK pub culture, uh, which is great. Um, and at the same time, it's actually true that the Eagle and Child were sort of talking and, and other big uh, writers were meeting for their sort of inkling sessions and where they spend a lot of time is currently vacant, which, <laughs> which is a shame. Uh, so it would be a good chance uh, to actually do it. And on a more serious note, I think it's an expression of, you know, a wish to, you know, preserve a place for, you know, academics, but also also other people to, you know, be uh, convivial, but at the same time also, you know, have some time and, and space and room to sort of discuss and think about things, right? So essentially, going back to this um, story of uh, Tolkien taking actually 12 years to write The Lord of the Rings, right? Uh, and interestingly, something that had a lot of, you know, influence sort of in the real world, it is, you know, of course, a novel, but at the same time, sort of very research grounded in terms of all the languages that he brought in and so on. So it's a very interesting example, I think, of how if you give academics room and, uh, you know, the time to develop their ideas, they can really do great things. So it was a combination of, well, a bit of a joke, uh, a nice pint alongside that, um, and then, you know, having this space um, for academic discussion, essentially. Now that we've established you're an academic, what have you come to talk about? Uh, I'm here to talk about my research. So, um, as I briefly mentioned, uh, I've been part of the sustainability department at ESCP Business School in Paris for a bit more than a year. Um, and we cover all kinds of issues on sustainability. Uh, many, many of my colleagues come more from the environmental side. They're dealing with uh, circular economy uh, and other kinds of concepts. I come more from sort of the social side of sustainability, if you will. So I do a lot of research on social entrepreneurship as a new way of uh, changing things, addressing problems, social innovation as innovation processes that are just much more holistic and that really also sort of change mindsets in terms of how we think about problems, right? All of a sudden the problem actually becomes the solution. 
Um, and so I'm, I'm really, uh, you know, here to talk about um, these, um, you know, research areas of mine um, that have been growing for a number of years um, with maybe this um, sort of bigger connotation of wanting to have uh, a positive impact, right? Uh, both the things that I study uh, have a positive impact, um, but through my research, I hope uh, I do have that too. You mentioned social entrepreneurship. How does that differ from entrepreneurship? So social entrepreneurship, um, and I actually like to detach the idea of social entrepreneurship from the entrepreneur, right? So there's also this, maybe before I even explain the concept, um, I uh, can go into a bit of the critique of the concept, which is, you know, all of a sudden we have those heroes, right? We have the messiahs, we have the saviors of the world, right? So individual social entrepreneurs that come up with something great such as uh, microfinance, right? So Muhammad Yunus is one of the sort of the role models of, of social enterprise, but at the same time, there are many critical issues around this, right? So that the microfinance industry uh, got very commercialized, that maybe some of the ideas that were underlying microfinance, such as, you know, group lending uh, and, you know, having women lenders especially, uh, don't always, you know, uh, play out in reality as, as they should, right? So that there's still uh, sort of disempowerment or even sort of very high group pressure, uh, which, lead, which leads to adverse effects, right? So I like to think about social entrepreneurship as a mode of action, right? So it's a, sort of a mindset and an approach to social problems that uses the entrepreneurial, right? So that thinks about, you know, how can we innovate on this? As I said, you know, how can we turn uh, what others see as a liability to an asset, right? Uh, a colleague of mine has been doing research on um, companies that, for example, have discovered that, uh, you know, having autistic people being employed as software testers is actually a fantastic idea because it, you know, they, apparently they are much better even, you know, than, than any automation and any other person uh, to actually test software, right? Because they, uh, you know, they understand patterns, they spot them, uh, and then essentially, you know, they, they sort of find the bugs. And at the same time, there seems to be much more gainful employment than having them work in, you know, certain sheltered uh, environments, uh, which might be well-meaning, uh, but maybe not, you know, as, as good in terms of the outcomes that we're achieving, right? So it's really the idea of, you know, how do you combine resources in a new way? How do you also change uh, people's mindsets about, as I said, what is a problem? And now all of a sudden actually becomes uh, an asset um, to your company, right? And it's to the benefit of the people. That's the main thing, right? So that's the main difference, right? So entrepreneurship in general, is about creating some value, but usually it's for the entrepreneur or maybe for a customer, right? Individual value. And social entrepreneurship is really about sort of creating sort of public value, common value at the community level or even at the societal level. Do you have examples of your research that have some impact? Yeah. So, um, well, interestingly, and I think that was uh, also very rewarding because you wouldn't think about uh, sort of research in this context. Uh, in the course of last year, I actually won an award that was sort of celebrating to some degree uh, my contributions to putting social entrepreneurship and social innovation on the German policy agenda, right? So I'm not as naive as, you know, saying, you know, it was me, uh, again, sort of steering, steering away from this idea of, you know, you have uh, one hero who does it all, uh, which obviously, uh, very clearly, I'm not. Uh, and also research plays, uh, you know, you need to be uh, very honest about that, a minor role, I would think, but a very important role, right? So I think sort of the landscape in Germany changed a lot when, uh, you know, the German Social Entrepreneurship Network was founded, who did a lot of, you know, positive lobbying, you know, making 
policymakers aware of uh, you know these mind shifts, uh, the ways this can actually create value uh, of different kinds, right, for the target groups, but also for the company, for society uh, at large. And I think. What's super interesting is uh, that these sort of practical players are longing for evidence, right? They're longing for research in order to understand, you know, how does social innovation evolve? Where does it come from? Who needs to engage at later points in time in order for this to actually scale? Um, you know, what are, the, what are the key mechanisms at play uh, in order to make a social entrepreneurial venture work? And at the same time, you know, what are the critical issues, right? Um, there's also research uh, who's, uh, which is uh, saying that, uh, you know, maybe we're focusing too much on entrepreneurship, right? We say, uh, you know, we have a problem. Entrepreneurship is the answer. We have another problem. Entrepreneurship is the answer, which might be the case to some degree, especially if you think about it as a mode of action. But, you know, it also sort of shifts away responsibility maybe from, you know, broader institutions, from policy, from regulation, and all these kinds of things, which we see, you know, at the level of sustainability as well, right? As long as we think, you know, technology and, you know, some innovative startup is going to fix everything, right? All of a sudden, we're going to have nuclear fusion, so we don't need to do anything right now. We don't need to change regulations. We, we don't need laws. We don't need policy. We don't need you know, activists, um, uh, that's, that's uh, you know, a wrong, wrong kind of thinking, right? Um, and so really being critical about this as well uh, and working with them in order to develop something that can be implemented in practice is really rewarding. I'll give you another very brief example. So actually on initiative of, you know, the Social Entrepreneurship Network, we've been doing a scoping study thinking about how can you pool finance in order to support social innovation, right? Because the problem is social innovation takes a very long time, right? Uh, for a classical entrepreneur, you think, you know, after three to five years, you need to break even. For sort of social entrepreneurs, it sometimes takes 20 years, right? Uh, but who is going to invest in something like this if they're very commercially driven? No one, right? And that means we need to think about new constellations of maybe pooling in um, public finance, maybe pooling in guarantees from the public sector, philanthropic investors who really are values driven with commercial investors. And then all of a sudden we find a pool of finance that is actually able to sort of respond to this, uh, you know, impact, risk and uh, return profile, right? Otherwise, we've always been thinking about it as, as risk and return. Now we have impact coming into the equation. Uh, and in order to balance that out, it's actually very important to find those, um, you know, constellations of different actors coming together. And we were assembling sort of international evidence to come up with a master plan of how you could actually do that, right? So it's, it's actually very close to, I mean, it's grounded in research. And at the same time, it's very close to being, you know, tested out. Um, and implemented in practice. Are there other research projects you're involved in that may have some impact too? One thing that is ongoing, something that we're currently sort of putting together rather than a research project that is already going on, is an interest in understanding how sort of collective mobilization processes, uh, such as the ones that we've seen in the context of the COVID crisis, um, for example, the EU versus virus, there was a hackathon with uh, over 30,000 participants uh, online, obviously, um, but a huge sort of mass mobilization uh, of people, how those, you know, actually are powerful tools to come up with solutions, right? There are other colleagues who have been doing uh, work on this as well. I think we want to build on that uh, in order to see 
how those kinds of mechanisms could be powerful for you know wider sustainability challenges right in this case it was really about finding maybe very quick solutions to challenges uh, of covid and now the question is you know how do you mobilize actors how do you bring them together and how do you assemble them uh, in a way that this actually has lasting impact right and in this case it's you know, impactful because we start understanding how these collective mobilization processes work. And at the same time, it will have, you know, direct implications in terms of, you know, how do you understand the effects of those? But also, you know, how do you, well, essentially compose the actors, right? Because we know relatively little about this, you know, what is this, the, the right size, you know, is an online format even a good format? Is a one-off format a good format? Or would you need to have something that, you know, is uh, working on a continuous basis? Many sort of adverse things that we've seen in, in relation to those hackathons, for instance, is also that there were brilliant solutions. Everyone loved them. You know, they were awarded and they, they got some prize money. They were able to, you know, develop them further. And then it didn't get implemented, right? So the public sector, for instance, didn't use very early ideas of sort of tracing apps uh, in order to improve, you know, tracking in uh, public administration of COVID cases, right? Uh, and these kinds of examples where you think, that really can be inspired by what we know about social innovation processes more generally, right? The ones that, you know, just happen naturally and that we're observing. That it's really critical to bring different actors in at different points in time, right? It's not the entrepreneur who's doing it all. Uh, and that's very different from the commercial sphere, by the way, right? Sometimes you have a brilliant product and then people are just going to long for it. They're going to buy it. And, you know, there you have your unicorns. But mostly, and that's why also in sort of the social entrepreneurship space and in the social innovation space we rather talk about zebras right because they are just uh you know uh you know they come in herds uh, you know and you you need uh more than one to actually come together to to make the thing move forward right so it's very seldom that you see sort of uh you know a social or a sustainable unicorn uh, maybe in some areas such as green energy and so on uh, that works but in many many other areas especially in the ones that are sort of socially focused uh, it's super difficult to imagine that. And so we're sort of trying to craft a uh, research project around this in order to understand it. And uh, the interesting bit, I think, uh, which is intriguing for me as a researcher, is also that we you know, would intervene in this to some degree with uh, what we call a design science approach, right? So design science meaning... You know, you're not going out and you know observing the world, and uh, you're trying to grasp what's out there. But you actually intervene as a researcher in order to do that. So, for instance, to organize a similar event, uh, I'm not sure we are going to get to those numbers, but you know, maybe uh, a number of smaller events, and also think about it in terms of experiments, almost right, quasi experiments where you you know you you can control the conditions, and uh, you know you maybe tweak the problem formulation or you tweak the uh, you know, the combination of, uh, you know, different compet competencies that are in the room, uh, or you uh, change the role of, uh, you know, some kind of a moderator in the process, uh, what they are doing, uh, you're tracking things over time and how they develop and so on. Uh, for us to be really able to see, you know, what is holding us back, right? I mean, we, we know that a lot of the problems are uh, located in this, uh, maybe in this wish that uh, actors are going to do it on their own, uh, but I think we really need to have some more, you know, a more coordinated approach, uh, more, um, more what you call orchestration uh, of actors uh, to actually come together in the right way, right? Uh, and not only do that in a very superficial uh, way or uh, really focus on the idea and after that, you know, 
it, it gets forgotten a little bit, but really to find sort of the interlocks between the different systems, right? So how do you make something that an entrepreneur brought up into you know, the public sphere, right? Into an established welfare state, for instance, who would be welcoming it, right? Or how do you use the learnings of this process in order to change legislation and so on, right? So it's really a multi-level process and uh, of very high com complexity, and that's why I find it super exciting, and that's why I think it can you know, provide very deep researcher insights, and at the same time, it would be extremely useful um, for actors to, to actually implement this, right? To go beyond this you know, polarization that we have at the moment and to work towards solutions. You managed to have some impact through your research, but are there other ways, through teaching maybe? Yes, absolutely. So I think what I love about um, being at ESCP is that we really sort of cherish different kinds of academic activities. Right? I mean, everyone who knows uh, academia a little bit uh, or who has friends in academia will know, you know, the one currency in academia is publications, right? Um, publications in a relatively uh, narrow range of journals, which is great because uh, to some degree, you know, they're leveling up the research. It's also a challenge. It's, you know, an ambition uh, to get published there and so on. And often in the process, the, the research gets better, right? So it gets sharper, you know, you, uh, you, you articulate it in a better way and so on, which is great. Uh, but that's only part of the story, right? Um, and uh, I think what I love uh, about ESCP, as I said, is that we cherish, you know, different contributions, right? It can be, uh, well, journal articles, but also sort of bigger uh, research projects such as this one, right? This is nothing that you can do just with a colleague or on your own. You know, you, you need to build some kind of a consortium. And at the same time, what I really enjoy about my job is when I can bring the research, for instance, I've done, you know, research on uh, measuring social impact, right? Really thinking about, you know, what kind of design can you apply to certain questions? What kind of data do you need? And, and in how far can you say, was there an impact or not? Or, and how did this impact look like? If I bring that to the classroom, and it's so astonishing to see when students, at the beginning, sometimes they're a bit skeptical, right? So I sometimes get the question, you know, is anyone going to care, right? If I know about impact and impact measurement, is anyone going to care? And I tell them yes, because, you know, we have all of this discussion around uh, sort of ESG investing, you know, environmental, social and governance criteria that it doesn't really mean anything. You know, some are saying, calling it even a dangerous placebo, right? So, uh, as long as we think ESG is going to fix it, we're not doing any other thing. And that's why I think we need people who understand impact, impact measurement, and how do I actually weigh the evidence? You know, this this evidence tell me anything? What does the evidence tell me? Uh, and I think that's going to be you know, more and more important as you know, students get trained and, and get into the job. Um, and that's why you know, I love sort of this combination of research and teaching and also inspiring students. I think that's, that's really important. And what we see, uh, you know, it's not only me, uh, it's, it's many other colleagues here at ESCP that are teaching in the sustainability area and the feedback that we get often, uh, you know, it's partly anecdotal, partly systematic as well, is that students are so grateful to, to have this, right? Uh, more than once have I heard this was the most important course that I've had uh, in my sort of student life. Uh, it really changed the way I think about things. Uh, and especially, um, you know, this idea of, you know, I thought I knew it all, but I don't, right? Uh, and, and 
interestingly enough, uh, you know, also sort of lauding my colleagues by, you know, what I learned when I when I came here. I actually learned quite a lot in sort of, you know, uh, integrating into the system, as I said, coming more from the social sustainability side. Uh, a lot of my colleagues really have a strong foundation sort of in the physical sciences as well. And really, you know, grasping the complexity and which brings us back to this idea of, you know, complex systems uh, also in the social uh, in the social sphere, but really understanding the complexity and the interconnectedness of the challenges that we're currently facing is, uh, you know, uh, mind-blowing also also to me and I learned a lot. Uh, and, you know, using that as, you know, a passion, a driver um, to, uh, to, to motivate and to infuse students and at the same time to give them a lot of sort of liberty and freedom to, to develop things uh, is is fantastic, right? Uh, and that's maybe you know something that you that you were hinting at. Um, for instance, we uh, you know recently uh, won this prize for responsible business education uh, by the Financial Times, and that was really around uh, a platform that we've built on entrepreneurship and innovation for sustainability, right? And the main sort of features that we had is not only that we did that as a collaboration, right? So it was several universities coming together, several professors sort of teaching at the same time and, and also the groups being mixed, which which they appreciate, uh, appreciated. Um, but it was also giving them maximum freedom, right? So we said, you know, pick your sustainability challenge and then think about, you know, how you can solve that. And, you know, a very important sort of obstacle there is that they always think in terms of business models, right? They always think about, you know, how can I sell this? You know, what are my distribution channels? And we're like, wait, 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 you know, you know, hold your horses, you know, go back and think about the sustainability challenge, right? We don't really care about whether it's more of even a public approach or a nonprofit approach or whatever it is, right? Whatever you think is actually sort of uh, addressing this sustainability challenge in the most impactful way, let's start with that, right? And then maybe we can build a business model around it. Um, but, you know, giving them that freedom, you know, they really appreciate it. And one of the sort of negative comments we got, we actually invited some of them to the Academy of Management, which is, you know, the biggest uh, scholarly gathering uh, of management researchers uh, in every year in the U.S. Uh, they were participating uh, online only, but they appreciated that as well. And then we were just, you know, saying, what kind of critique do you have? You know, we didn't script it. We didn't tell them what to say. We were just very open in terms of what they were articulating. And then one of the students said it was a such a pity that we didn't get to implement our projects within the course, which is, you know, basically a critique and a, the best compliment that you can get because it means, you know, they got to a level where they were actually ready to go the next steps. Um, and that's what we're going to think about in, in developing this kind of uh, teaching further. But that would take a lot more time, right? No, absolutely. It wouldn't, you know, that would mean we would need to have some other stage, right? It would mean, uh, you know, we, we do what we've done. I think that's really good because... Um, we were also working with them in sort of revolving sessions, right? So we were giving them concepts, theories. The interesting bit is, uh, you know, students are also, if you do it in, a, in the right way, they are longing for theory, right? They're longing for concepts to understand things. Uh, and then we were coaching them in, in sort of developing this model, but then it would need to be, you know, another semester. It would be maybe even several semesters, right? Ideally, it would be something of, you know, testing this out, testing the grounds, maybe trying to identify, you know, real-world um, actors that you could uh, partner up with and then maybe sort of integrating it with, uh, you know, the blue factory that we have here at ESCP, which is sort of the entrepreneurship vehicle and incubator at a next stage. And then, you know, ideally, uh, you know, if, if you think about it as, a, as the big picture, this would be something that students start their studies with and maybe do alongside uh, their whole masters. And then maybe when they get out 
um, they will, uh, you know, actually uh, be able to, yeah, to go out and, and, and do it, right? Or, or even start while, while they're uh, still at it, right? Another way of having some impact is publishing books or articles in the media. Interestingly, um, often we think about this only in this sequence, right? There's research and then I communicate it. I have made the experience that often it can even be the other way around, right? So I'm just giving you an example. I was thinking about um, a thing for quite some time, right? So I was doing my PhD at the University of Oxford and uh, I was doing some, well, there was a talk in evidence-based healthcare where I've actually also done my methods training uh, because of an individual research project. And there was this guy saying, uh, you know, really in medical research saying, you know, there are people uh, going out doing reviews all the time, right? Research reviews are essentially, you know, you sit at your desktop computer and you've try and find what research is there and then you summarize it in order to tell other researchers you know what overall is the evidence and he was like that's such a waste of time you know let's automate this you know let's build a you know database where you can just say you know I want uh, you know I don't know I have migraine uh, and, and then it really like in one click you have all of the evidence of all of the studies you know uh, taking aspirin or acupuncture or whatever you know in, in how far is this effective right and then you get this map all of a sudden and I was thinking you know wouldn't that be great for the social sciences as well, right? You know, this is the context in which social entrepreneurship works, in which it doesn't, you know, uh, what are the traits of social entrepreneurs, but what kind of actors do also need to come in at, at, at other points in time, and, and so on, right? And obviously, it's not the same thing, right? So uh, because we also work a lot with qualitative data, we have potentially, you know, more complex processes, so it's not one treatment, you know, one condition, one medical condition, one treatment. But that led me to sort of hypothesize about something that I was calling sort of dynamic knowledge maps, right? Where you actually within sort of, for instance, the academic peer review process, you gather the intelligence and then you, you know, you map this out in real time instead of waiting for someone to do, you know, a, a, a review five years or 10 years after, right? And I wrote a blog post, post on this um, several years ago on the LSE Impact blog. It was super well received. Um, but it was an idea, right? So I was like, uh, you know, building on this. Uh, I was, I was putting out some propositions, and now we're actually doing research based on this idea, on uh, really looking into, which is a bit different from, um, from my my other research, but really looking into how do researchers in the man management field actually do reviews, right? And what we see that is that essentially there is still a lot of summative reviews, right? So you go in and and you do all this manual labor, if you will. And then eventually you summarize what's been done. Uh, and you would think now with generative AI coming you know, around the corner and so on, that's going to be automated quite soon, right? So what we're trying to do with a piece which is, uh, which is uh, work in progress and not uh, published yet, but what we're trying to do with a piece is sort of make them aware of how you can actually you know, do this in a way that, uh, that is going to be more useful for progress in the field, right? So what does the field actually need? You know, can you bring some contestation into this? Just the same way as you should contest social entrepreneurship, you know, we're essentially contesting, uh, you know, established practices in the management field, right? And that's only one example of how you also build relations to, you know, people at the LSE Impact Block, and then you start off with, with ideas around, you know, this, this, you know, master plan of financing uh, vehicles for social innovation, you do a, a quick blog post on that. You do sort of a practice-oriented study. But then you take it, and then you turn it into, you know, a more solid piece of research. You add the evidence. You continue on what you've, what you've done. What's important is that you start off with a very solid research foundation, right? But sometimes you need to sort of 
increase the number of you know interviews or data sets that you that you include and and actually doing it this way around is uh, is also very enriching right and and like that you can really understand that that it goes both ways right um, and sometimes sort of the, the, the even the bigger impact right so bringing this idea out uh, you know dynamic knowledge maps you know all of a sudden you know people were you know talking about the death of li the literature review right and the, the editor had this you know very nice tweak there sort of saying the death of the literature review and the rise of the dynamic knowledge map and that was really intriguing to a lot of people interestingly across disciplines right so it didn't matter at all. It wasn't management. It often wasn't even social science people, right? Uh, there were also sort of people from medical research, people from the humanities, well, from everywhere, essentially, interested in this idea. And that's how you see, you know, the impact comes and then maybe, hopefully, you know, hopefully this piece is going to come out, is then going to, you know, even have a bigger impact on the research landscape and, you know, might even be, I don't know, a follow-on, essentially from you know this initial blog post you, you do another one and and you see how, how how things have been progressing and i think we've been thinking about the whole um academic endeavor in a two like in a one-way uh street fashion right so we always think you know you have the idea you carry out the research you get it published and then ideally you you know you get some media to do something around it and it can be you know it can be both ways it can be sort of sequential and so on and really understanding that uh, you know makes it much more engaging makes, makes it much more exciting and at the same time hopefully much more impactful right because sometimes you start with the impact and then you push it forward instead of hoping that your research is going to be impactful and maybe more responsible too Yes, I mean it's. Uh, I think it's uh, also from the perspective of the researcher, it is um, an exercise in self-reflexivity, which brings us back to, you know, uh, the the Eagle and Child pub, and you know, having sort of this space to, you know, potentially uh, discuss, be self-reflexive, uh, you know, think about, you know, what am I actually putting out? How would I be able to test that? What is the evidence? What are the implications as well, right? So always thinking about uh, sort of research uh, in terms of, you know, what does it do? Uh, what potentially is its use, right? So I'm very, you know, keen on understanding, you know, what's the use of what we're doing? Um, and, and, you know, understanding, understanding that, you know, you don't need to worry about that only several years after you've started what you're doing, but actually that's the very first step, is essential, I think, and, and really, uh, you know, self-formative almost, right, as uh, concerning the identity of, uh, of a researcher. I think that's really, um, that's really a different way uh, of thinking about it and, and of becoming self-conscious. And as you say, Uh, you know, maybe increases responsibility as well. And by the way, I think uh, having this more balanced approach in terms of, you know, uh, classical research outputs, but also thinking about what I like to call impact work that, that we've just talked about and teaching and how these things are interconnected and how, uh, interestingly, you sometimes get a lot of inspiration from students as well, right? So they do a fantastic impact measurement design and you think, wow, you know, I can take a lot of inspiration from that. Um, but at the same time, you know, you need to be reflexive in the classroom as well, right? So there's also this, you know, trade-off in terms of, you know, there's academic research, which needs to be rigorous, which, you know, sometimes is just too much, right? You can't do that all the time in practice. And how do you find a responsible balance between doing, you know, the research, research, sort of hardcore research in a way uh, thing, and then something that is implementable in practice? And really having those... Uh, different moments and fora of reflection uh, helps you, I think, become much more responsible as a researcher, uh, for sure, in terms of what you do in the research, but what's what its use is going to be. And that's why I also think, you know, we need to, 
as researchers, I think we need to say bye to some degree to this idea of, you know, we are entirely objective. You know, we're we have we you know we we are sort of a blank sheet, right? We 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 go there, you know, we 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 present our evidence to you, and you do with it what you want. Right? Which of course is important. I mean, objectivity, you know, not finding what you want to find and so on, but you know, really understanding what does that mean, what could the consequences be, and what would you recommend based on this? Uh, you know, some would contest that because they say you know this is the work of policymakers, but I think if you have the you know sort of the deepest expertise, right, you can't expect that from anyone else. Why would you not at least give you know a balanced view on on what it is that can be done with it, right? As I as I just said, you know, this you know having this master plan of of the financing is you know a pitch right based on evidence and then of course you know you could use research in order to to accompany that as well so uh no for sure you're totally right that it pitches up uh, the level of responsibility i think as well and the level of originality i would hope on behalf of ESCP thank you for choosing us for this journey towards knowledge